All right, our scripture reading today comes from Colossians 3, 9-14. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature, which is renewed in the knowledge by conforming to the image of the one who created it. In this image there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free. But Christ is all things and in all people. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other, and if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. This is the word of God. May it find its way into our hearts and our lives this morning by the power of His Holy Spirit. Amen. So not many of you may know, but I have a younger sister, and her name's Allison. She's two years younger than me, and we've always been very different. I've always been very bookish. I've loved loved to read, loved to watch movies, and I like anything that would be considered more nerdy. And she's always been very much a tomboy. She loves anything to do with the outdoors, hunting and fishing and climbing trees catching salamanders in the creek, all that type of stuff. But there is one thing to this day she would probably still deny, and that is that when we were little, she had an obsession with Barbies. (laughs) And she had a ton of Barbies, an entire storage container filled with Barbies and their dresses and shoes and a Barbie Jeep and a Barbie house. And she loved to play Barbies. And so one afternoon she came to me and she said, Brooke, we should go play Barbies. And I was probably reading when she asked me because that's what I did the majority of my childhood. And I really didn't want to play Barbies this particular afternoon, but I was like, sure, Allison, we'll go play Barbies. And the whole time I was, as we headed down the steps to our basement where our playroom was, I was thinking, how can I get out of this? So we started playing Barbies and... We're putting on the clothes and, you know, brushing their hair and whatever. And all of a sudden it hit me and I knew the perfect plan to get out of this. And I said, I know, Allison. We can take the Barbies to the drive-in movies. So we took the Barbies and put them in the Barbie Jeep, rolled it up to the TV, and I got to watch my Disney Princess movie I wanted to watch. (laughs) It didn't end there, though. We always had something we were disagreeing about, whether it was... More recently, a laptop charger, or matchbox cars, or a pair of red doll shoes. There was always something that we were disagreeing about, arguing about, because we're siblings, we're family, it's what we do. But a lot of times I think grown-ups think that we grow out of this. Those are silly arguments and they go away. But here I have a list of some of the most common arguments between married people And the list is pretty funny if you ask me. I picked some of my favorites, and here they are. The temperature that the thermostat is set at. What happened to the leftovers? Someone forgot to pick up milk. What are we going to have for dinner? And my personal favorite, why is there no toilet paper? (laughs) Now these things are not a big deal. But at the time, they can make heated arguments. 
we argue with not just our loved ones or our, you know, sisters, brothers, family. We can argue with strangers. And we can even argue with our church family. We do it without even thinking about it. It's part of our nature. And that's what I want to talk about today. There's three parts to this lesson. I want to talk about our nature as people. I want to talk about the togetherness that we have in Christ. And I want to talk about our responsibility as a church when it comes to arguing and how we present ourselves to the world. So let's go back to our scripture reading. Let's go back to the first part. Don't lie to each other. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature, which is renewed in the knowledge by conforming to the image of the one who created it. Okay, I think we can all agree that the first part is very cut and dry. Don't lie to each other. We can all agree on that part. The second part is the part we're going to spend a little more time on. Take off the old human nature with its practices and put on the new nature. What's our old nature? In this particular verse, I think that it's talking about something very specific. I think the nature it's referring to is our nature to care more about ourselves than anybody else. We tend to think about ourselves and put ourselves up on this pedestal. There was this video that I was watching called How to Fight Fair. And it's, it's a YouTube video that talks about that when you're arguing with someone or having a disagreement, how to not let the disagreement turn into a fight how to be able to have a civil conversation with someone and disagree without letting the disagreement turn into an unfair and explosive argument. One line that has stuck with me from that video that I still try to think about every day is that you have to love the person that you're talking to or arguing with more than you love winning the fight. I'll say it again. You have to love the person more than you love winning. How often do we love ourselves and do we love that self-gratification of feeling like we're right? Of feeling like, well, I just have to prove that I know what I'm talking about. More than we love caring for other people. We feel like that because we were wronged one time, that we have to use that as an excuse to always make our argument and win our points and get it across, and we don't fight fair. We just say whatever we want to and say it however we want to, and we go on. We focus on building ourselves up rather than caring for other people. So how do we overcome this? How do we stop thinking so much about ourselves and caring so much about how other people perceive us, and turn to this new nature, this nature of unity. I feel like that the verse from Luke, Luke 6, 29, goes extremely well with this scripture. I feel like they should be paired together. If someone slaps you on the cheek, offer the other as well. If someone takes your coat, Don't withhold your shirt either. 
This means setting aside personal wants and gains and thinking of the needs of others. It's not about self, it's about service. I feel like a lot of the reasons that we have conflict in our lives is because we expect self. We expect gratification for ourselves. We think someone owes us something. We're not focused on serving others, we're focused on serving ourselves. And I'll give you an example of a time that someone showed an act of service to me and show how that if I would have expected it, that it could have went completely differently. But one of the girls I work with, Amanda, um, we're both cake decorators for Walmart. And Friday, we had a really busy day. I think everyone was born at the end of January, apparently, <laughs> because everyone had a birthday cake that needed to be done. And so we were extremely busy. She worked 7 to 4. I only worked... Six hours that day, I was supposed to work 11.30 to 5.30. And by the time it was time for her to leave at 4, we still had hours and hours worth of work that was undone. And I knew she was tired. She talked earlier that day about how she thought she was coming down with something and how that she was trying to get everything ready for her husband's birthday next week and how that, you know, things had just been kind of... hadn't been going great lately. But... When it came time for the end of the day, she said, no, no, no. She's like, I'm not close to my 40 hours yet. I'm not going to get in trouble. She's like, I'll just stay an extra hour. It's fine. She's like, I'll help you clean till five. It's okay. And rather than leaving when she could have just went on home, you know, propped her feet up, you know, had a nice soda and taken the rest of the day for herself, she decided to stay and help me finish working so that I wouldn't have to be stressed and worry about finishing and having to stay over. She could have done the easy thing, done the self-gratifying thing of, well, you know, it's not my job. I've been here since 7, and, you know, she's only worked six hours anyway, so I'm going to go home. But instead, she stayed an extra hour, and she helped me get what needed to be done done so I could leave on time. And that was an act that she didn't have to do that I wasn't expecting her to do. This is the type of service that we should be focusing on doing in the image of Christ. This is the type of stuff, like that, those images of Jesus washing people's feet. If the creator of the universe, incarnate, can wash people's feet, the dusty feet... <laughs> that have went in sandals in Middle Eastern heat and probably are caked with mud and the toenails look disgusting and it's probably just, all in all, just a horrible situation. (laughs) If he can sit there and do that, not complain, and do it with a humble attitude, who are we to say that we are deserving of anything? Who are we to say that we are Anybody that should be expecting anything. We should have that same attitude of service. We should be looking for opportunities to go out of our way for other people. I find that there's a lot less conflict in my life when I take my attitude and move it from a situation of focusing on myself and what I want and situating my attitude 
towards what can I do for someone else today? What can I do to help somebody else out? When you go from self to service, you're going to have a lot less conflict in your life because you have a lot less time to think about what makes you mad. (laughs) You have a lot less time to think about all the petty things that irritate you when you're focused on what you can do to help other people. The second thing I want to talk about is our togetherness that we have in Christ as a church. In this image, there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all things and in all people. We all have different backgrounds. I personally, I'm from Snowville. I've lived in the mountains my whole life, you know, a little rural community, like 30 minutes from anything, and that's just like the community I've grown up in. And it's definitely been, I've went through different um, situations in my life, you know, where it's been like a series of culture shocks where I've met different people. And most of them have been really good experiences once I've, you know, taken a step back and learned, okay, this is another type of person, you know, that God has created that I can befriend, that I can learn from. The group of people that I, in college, am having to learn to not cast judgment upon is people from Northern Virginia. (laughs) I have grown up in, like, Appalachian Mountains my whole life, and when I interact with people from Northern Virginia, I feel like we're, I don't know if it's my accent or just, like, the way I carry myself, I feel like people think that I'm stupid, (laughs) but... Um, the interactions I have haven't been very positive. And so it's very easy for me to catch myself with a bitterness of being like, well, I guess all people from Northern Virginia just must be rude, you know, or all of them just must be, you know, fast talkers, and all of them just must have this, you know, unkind attitude. It's hard to catch yourself when you start to feel that bitterness creep into your heart. And when you start to feel those tendrils of hatefulness start to root in there. And I myself have to, you know, slap myself on the back of the hand and be like, nope, you can't do that. We all have our own people that we have that conflict with our personalities, whether it's, you know, people that are, you know, from the city that, you know, again, culture shock, live a completely different type of life. Um, It's just a different way of living. And when we meet people that are different from us, a lot of times we get freaked out because they look different and they sound different. And a lot of times we just don't know how to react. But we have to understand that there are people all over the world in Pakistan, Egypt, Ethiopia, Ukraine, in northern Virginia that God has called and that God has created. We don't get to decide who's good enough to be a Christian. We don't get to decide who is enough. Because God made all of us, and we all make mistakes. And when we make that decision, and when, you know, we are a part of the body of Christ, then we can't start saying to ourselves, well, you know, We're the legs, but I think the arms need to do a better job. We have to understand that we are all created for a unique purpose. 
and that we don't get to decide who's doing their job good enough. We have to focus on what we're doing to serve God to the best of our abilities. How can we expect the world to be a better place? We all see the conflict that grows with every day, the hatefulness and spite. How can we expect that to get any better if we can't even show love to our brothers and sisters in Christ? Rather than being just disjointed and divided, we have to work on being unified as a body of Christ. Once we turn from self to service, then we're going to find that it's easier to, on a personal level, to have less conflict and to be more peaceful with each other. But on the level within the church, we also have to work to be not only unified with each other within our own churches, but unified as a United Methodist Church to serve God and to serve other people in this world. Which brings us to the third point. Therefore, as God's choice, holy and loved, put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Be tolerant with each other. And if someone has a complaint against anyone, forgive each other. It's our responsibility to be good to each other. What does that mean? A lot of times when I tell people that I'm going to school to be a teacher, they freak out. And I either get like the look of pity, like, wow, you know, it really takes a special person to work with children. And it intensifies when I tell them that I want to work with like K through second. They're like, wow, you know, you really want to do that. You know, kindergarten. Yeah. (laughs) And... So when they do that, I feel like that there's a misconception that they think that working with children is worse than working with adults. <laughs> and, and I think the difference is I work with the, the children labeled problem children in an after-school program, and like at least nine times out of ten, when I tell them, hey, no, you need to stop, you're doing something wrong, You know, these are like the problem children of whatever, you know, county. Um, They'll be like, you know, they'll sulk or they might roll their eyes, but they'll be like, okay, and they'll go back to their seat and stop. But if you, you know, if someone tells me I'm doing something wrong, you know, I'm 20, so I'm still a young adult, but, you know, I guess I'm technically an adult. Someone tells me I'm doing something wrong, I'm like, excuse me, (laughs) pardon you. If someone were to come up to me, like at my job and say, um, pardon me, you aren't icing that cake correctly at all. You know, you need to stop. Or if somebody came up to me while I was in line at Target and said, that coupon's expired, you can't use that, and you need to move on, stop, you know. If someone were to tell me that I was, like, being bad or not doing a good job, I think it's a lot harder to tell adults, you know, that they need to stop doing something because we think that we have it all together. I think when Jesus tells, you know, be like the little children, I think in one respect he means accept correction. (laughs) Because I know for me personally, I have a very hard time being told that I'm doing something wrong. 
we have to understand that even though we may be adults out here in the world, we are all the children of God. And sometimes God just has to tell us, you know, you have to be good. You have to be good to each other, and you have to get along with your brothers and sisters. You have to forgive them when they hurt your feelings or do something wrong. There could be a whole sermon on forgiveness, about learning to heal and learning to get over things rather than holding on to them and creating grudges and getting mad about stuff. I know that, you know, especially when I was a teenager, that was my go-to. Well, I'm just not going to talk to her anymore because she said something that hurt my feelings. And I feel like more people than would, you know, that would want to admit that's their go-to, like, Well, someone said something that I don't agree with, so I'm just never going to talk to them anymore. Instead, we have to learn to put on love. We have to learn to forgive and understand that it's our responsibility to be good. Danny, when I told him what scripture I was using, sent me a really interesting um, text message about how... He was reading something about Paul's analogy he's using here with putting on these virtues, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And he said that these are being described like a tunic that you put on, like a shirt. And that love is the belt that ties them all together. That if we focus on having that love for each other, that genuine caring, each other, that these other virtues are going to fall into place. They're going to come a lot easier than if we try to force gentleness but not really have legitimate love. In closing, I want us all to remember that in the end, even though we're grown-ups, we're all God's children just trying to get along with our brothers and sisters. It's our nature to want to be self-serving and to want to just kind of have all our stuff and do our thing and just look out for ourselves. There's a there's an old episode of the Andy Griffith show where Barney Fife talks about the giraffes looking out for number one. We're like the giraffe. We're looking out for number one. And a lot of times we forget it's really about serving others. We have to bring ourselves from that attitude of self to that attitude of service. From that attitude of being disjointed, of, from being individual churches to being the church that is Christ's. That is unified and is showing the world the love of God. And that is our responsibility when it comes down to it. To love each other And to go out and show the world through our actions and through our service and through our unity the love that God is, who He is. To show Him by the lives we live, by the deeds we do, and by the deeds we don't do, who God is. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.